So, you know what happened to me this week? What happened to you this week? I forgot I had a job. <laughs> Did I tell you about this? You just have so much money. You're like, where does it all come from? I, I, the, the fairy hasn't come by to replenish my coffers. <laughs> no, this was this was <laughs> this was uh yeah my my money bed was getting low. <laughs> it's like hmm hmm the servants haven't come to fluff my money bed lately. <laughs> All I do is just they rake the money back into the pile. No, I forgot that I had a, a an actual job. So like in May, I agreed to teach a course at a college. Um and uh over the summer it got canceled, and then the next one after that got canceled, and then uh, I got emailed like two days before the class started and they're like, are you still down to do this? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I forgot that I agreed to this. So um, this was the job that I got teaching at a, uh, a private Catholic college. Oh yeah. Yeah. Monsignor Spiker. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, I, I, this morning, because I had to lecture literally right before we started recording, I had to, I had to do a lecture where I have to be on live video. And uh, the first t-shirt I grabbed this morning was my pig destroyer t-shirt. And then I thought maybe I should not wear that at the school. Um, and so I had to change it, but I was going to, I almost wore uh, a pig destroyer t-shirt that has a dead cop on it. Like it's in a great, it's not like a, it's not like a, not that there's a pig destroyer shirt that out there. That's like appropriate for any public space, but this one yeah, is aggressive. Really. Yeah, that one's that that's that one's a bit over the top. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's literally a dead cop wearing like SWAT gear and it just looks like it was like painted on by somebody who had their hand broken with a hammer. <laughs> God, you're a so you're a professor at a Catholic college and you didn't <laughs> you didn't remember the state of education. <laughs> um like are are you still doing this? There's, there's no, yeah, there's no certainty anymore. It's quite, it's quite uh, distressing. Legitimately, that's exactly what happened. I got an email, and they're like, "Are you still okay to do this?" And I was like, "Well, shit." <laughs> I mean, is it? I mean, is it, how, how's the pay? I mean, Vatican City's got a lot of money. Pandemic can or I, no? Can I be honest with you? What's up? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the job. Who takes I, it and doesn't know their pay rate? What's wrong with you? I don't know what my pay rate is. I don't know how I'm going to get paid. I don't know when I'm going to get paid. I don't. Have, I have no idea. I, mean, I have what no kind idea. Of perks? What kind of perks do you get? You get perks? Perks? I don't know. I don't know. God damn. I, I don't know never, anything about this job. The last time I accepted a job without knowing what I made or what I would get out of it was probably like my first job. <laughs> like, oh, this is I've work. Done- this is how I've done do this work. several times. I've done this several times in the last few years. Like all my university jobs, I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And then I get in, and I'm like, that's okay. And that's where it goes. Like this one, I have no idea. So I'm going to, I'll probably maybe reach out to somebody and ask. That'd probably be a good, maybe adult step to do. Um, but yeah, professor, I forgot that I had a, that I'm, that I had a, a job. I forgot I had an entire full job where like, I'm responsible for like 12 students in this class. So what is it? Just one class? It's one class. Um, here's what's crazy. It's one eight-week class, um, and the students have to read 77 research articles in eight weeks. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The next generation that's coming down the pike, <laughs> that shit is not going to fly. No. No, no, no. <laughs> not at all. I, I mean, like, it's it's funny because I'm like, these, this group is like, okay, well, like, you're here and you're working on this stuff, so you're going to read 77 articles. Fucking good luck. But, like, the the – like. I just even talking to Riley, I'm like, you know, this is what you have to do in college. She's like, no. I'm like, who are you going to tell no to? Like, what do you mean? No, no, I'm not doing that. Okay. I mean, be honest. College is a bit of a scam unless you know what you want to do. But 
I do see the value. Obviously, I did go uh, much to my own chagrin. But I'm just saying, and it's not this generation's fault. Uh, you know, by the time they get to me, they've already been molded by by many teachers, by parents who can't read or hate to read. I just, it is such a mess. I don't blame them because it's not really their fault that they were, a, a phone was grafted to their palm as soon as they were born. Yes, I know I sound like a boomer. I'm just saying it's, it's dismal. It's real dismal. Trying to get them through an article, one article. Woo. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you'd it's, think, it's painful. You'd think we were, I, I have, I, I have nothing for it. It is an indescribable feeling. The closest I can come to trying to get a class with me through an article or a story is when I was doing comedy and I bombed on stage. <laughs> yeah. It's worse. For, I don't care about angry drunks in the crowd. I'll fight them. I don't care. At least then I would have. <laughs> but yeah, is, you can't fight angry 14-year-olds. This is completely different. And I, it's weird because I'm torn. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at them, but I am continually baffled and just floored by it. Yeah. It's uh it's shocking. Like um, I have made, you know, I, it's funny cause I talk to Riley every now and again about like stuff like this. And I'm like, you know, I, cause I read literally all the time. Like, I think I'm in the middle of like reading like seven books right now. And she was like, Oh, like I, I'll, I'll read, I'll, I'll read some stuff. I'm like, she's and then she wants like money for reading a book. And I'm like, I used to read just because it was fucking fun. But I did that, like, I, I mean, I think about this all the time. Like, when I was a kid, I would, like, lay in bed and read literally all day. Like, I remember blasting through a, a Goosebumps book in, like, I don't know, like, a couple hours when I was, like, in sixth grade. You know, so it's not like, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I've always loved reading. So I just don't get why anybody doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't track. Yeah. But also... You know, there are people that believe there's an earth inside the earth and or that we are an earth inside another earth. Um, and so, you know, all hope is lost. I mean, I think we're definitely in a simulation. I don't know about nesting doll earths. I'm not really into that notion, but <laughs> convex, convex and concave earths. You're not that's not like that's not like a thing that you're into. No, 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 no. You, you know, you start getting into hollow earth and you start getting into space isn't real. And then you start taking Q drops seriously. And then it's just <laughs> where do you where you end up? Um, yeah, I mean, at least people. I mean, there are people that believe uh, that the moon is a, a a reptilian base, satellite base. So you know, there's also that too. Like, but also just people um, should just all have lobotomies. <laughs> It, it, the the other thing is, and if if you're our age and you're listening, maybe you're even older. I, I I don't know. Maybe you have children. Maybe you don't. But the thing that is the biggest detriment to them, I honestly believe, is is the curriculums that are decided haphazardly by people who are not qualified and are usually nowhere near the classroom. It's all boring. It's all stupid. I would hate reading too if that's what I was exposed to. But thankfully, my parents read to me when I was a kid and let me start reading what I wanted as soon as I could, you know? So I yeah. was picking up Stephen King. I was picking up comic books. I was picking up anything I can get my hands on and I don't read as much as I used to, but I still read. I'm always reading a book. You know, I don't read seven at a time because my brain is in a garbage can for words, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm always reading a book. I, I, I'll even be reading on lunch at, at school and the kids will see the book sitting there on my desk. Like, What's that? And, <laughs> Like it's it's a book. Well, why are you reading it? It's like that Bill Hicks bit where he's in the Waffle House and the, uh -huh. he's reading, <laughs> and the waitress is like, "What you reading for?" 
He's like, well, I guess it's probably though I don't end up as a waffle waitress. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I, I, I just don't get it, man. I, I even it's like sad. there was. It's sad. Like even uh, people that are our age. Like I was doing a talk as like talking about self care, and I was like, you know what? Everybody just needs to read a little bit of Kurt Vonnegut right now. Like just read a <laughs> little bit. He's told, and they were like, I've never read Kurt Vonnegut, and I'm like, you get, get on, get, go get out here, get out. Go, get, go. And, uh, and so it was just so upsetting because I was like, he's got this great perspective on humanity that is sorely needed. Like, he is a sarcastic asshole that just gets it. Just go read anything by him. Anything at all. Go read fucking Mother Night, which is about Nazis, and you'll still appreciate him. Like, he's just great. So I'm just very just sad, sad for them. It's not their fault. They were born into a, a terrible, bankrupt world, and I, I just feel so bad that they won't read comics and they won't uh, appreciate things the way we did. It won't, they won't hang out in parking lots because they have nowhere to go. They won't have to use a pay phone to call their friends to fucking get together. There's no effort. And once again, not their fault. But if there's no effort, it's just, it all kind of just blah. It's all beige. It's a beige existence. Yeah, it's like Sacramento. <laughs> is, that, is that what Sacramento's like? Sacramento is so beige. <laughs> so beige. It's. I mean, it's beautiful, but it's also very beige. Well, speaking of something that is decidedly not beige, does that work? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hi, everyone. This is I Don't Want to Hear It. I'm Shane. <laughs> we did it backwards. I'm Mikey. <laughs> yeah, and this is um, this is the third part of the Misfits, which is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yes, part three and the final part. Thank Christ the Conqueror. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank Christ the Conqueror. This is it. Now. We, uh, guys, if you're listening to this episode, I don't know why you wouldn't have listened to the first two, but in order to get it, listen to the first two. I don't even know why I say that, but whatever. Just just don't jump right in. There's an order. It's linear, folks. I'm sad. I'm a little sad because I've had a lot of fun talking about these guys, and I've, I have learned a few things, and I've rediscovered a few things about the Misfits, and I just, I'm sad to see them go. I'm almost as sad as when we ended the Rancid episodes. Yeah, except, uh, you know, we don't have as many cool voices. We've got Shiro, and then we've got Go, Go, um, you know, but that's all we're really, and also Mrs. Vicious, but we're walking away with that, and, and you know, but at least we still have uh, Tim Timebob. Bob about, and then we've got Matt Freeman too. So there, these are characters that are going to carry on with us as we go. Oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're just going to fashion ourselves after more successful podcasts and do more voices. Yeah, exactly. Well, we've spent about eleven minutes shitting on ourselves, so why don't we get started? Well, let's shit on somebody else. <laughs> See, the police are always off track with this shit. If they'd watch prom night, they'd save time. There's a formula to it, a very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. Please stick around to the very end of this episode. We have a really special surprise. It's going to pay off, and you're going to appreciate it. Uh, it is, is, is really a lot of fun. Now, last week we covered Danzig's post-Misfits output, the more Death Rock saw win. Sam Hain. Sam Hain. Uh, Sam Hayes. And uh, the full-on hard rock blues of his solo project, Danzig. It's cool. It's fun. You probably like all of it if you like the Misfits, except the industrial stuff and the Elvis covers, because we only need one Fear Factory, and we don't need any Elvises. Yeah. And then we went and did a Dale straight into the wall when we covered Jerry Only and Doyle's Christian metal band, Christ the Conqueror. That unfortunate project 
was eventually repurposed into the second incarnation of the Misfits uh, that most fans call Misfits 1995. That also um, people, some people are not big fans of. However, we recognize that without Misfits 95, we probably wouldn't have discovered Misfits 79. So, um, you know, thank you, Michael, Mr. Graves, or whatever your name is. <laughs> now, with the lineup of Jerry only on base, Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein, I, I wish he was a third. Yeah. On guitar, Dr. Chud on drums, and Michael Graves on vocals. The New Misfits released their comeback album, American Psycho, on Geffen in 1997, and there was some backlash, but mostly it was well-received. And that's where we're going to pick up in a few minutes, but we've got a few additions to last week's episode uh, to kind of round that out. Um, in perusing through some more interviews, Mikey found some tidbits we wanted to share with you all, kind of like Butt Town and D.D. King's rap album. <laughs> Which, you sent me that song today, and that is one of the worst things I've ever fucking heard in my life. He sounds like an 80-year-old man on a ventilator. And I know that looks- that's, not, that's not the most, that's not the nicest of comparisons right now, but that's what it is. He looks like an 80-year-old man who had just gotten off a ventilator in that video. <laughs> it is. Woo! We, I, I do have to link it, so I, I, I'll link it in the show notes. So, yes, I did dredge up a few things. So... After the original Misfits broke up in 1983, as we said, Jerry Only and Doyle, the brothers, the brothers Kayafa, um, they started Christ the Conqueror a few years later. You got Jeff Soto, the guy who sang for Ingve Malmsteen and Talisman and even for a short time Journey. He ended up being their vocalist. Uh, but apparently, Jerry had asked old friend Dave Vanian of The Damned to sing for the band first, and Vanian had this to say in 1989. <laughs> I'll be seeing Jerry in New Jersey next week, and he says that the Misfits have 14 new songs that are really good. He wants me to work (laughs) with them, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to. He's asked me several times to do something with them, which, you know, to me, that just sounds like Jerry only is trying to put one over on him, as he seems want to do, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not saying that it's going to be a Christian metal band calling it the Misfits. I don't know at what point it was decided Christ the Conqueror would be a Christian metal band. But uh, I just imagine Dave Vanian flying to Jersey from the UK, uh, going to the band's practice space. It's probably in some meat packing plant. And just when he hears them rip into In God We Trust. God. Well, you know, it's even better thinking of, of them asking him to be in Christ the Conqueror when on uh, Machine Gun Etiquette, they put out the song Anti-Pope, which talks about not going to church because they don't like the people. <laughs> Yeah, it just it wouldn't have been a very good match. And I mean, t- t- honestly, I think Christ the Conqueror was just sort of a placeholder because they did the money grab as soon as they got the rights to the Misfits again. So I don't think Jerry only was all that Christian or Catholic or whatever. Right. So if Dave Vanian showed up, maybe would have gotten a, a, another version of the Misfits that was shitty. Uh, or or shittier than Graves. I love Graves. So I know it probably would have been really good, except uh, I feel like. I feel like it wouldn't have been enthusiastic. I feel like that's the thing. I think Dave Vanian wouldn't have been stoked about it, whereas like Michael Graves was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> well, Michael Graves, as we'll see in this episode, is not the nicest guy or the easiest person to get along with. Shocking. <laughs> uh, but also, I found out uh, in 1989, same year that they interviewed Dave Vanian, there's a little anecdote involving Jerry and Doyle going to a Metallica concert in New York at the Nassau Coliseum. That's in Uniondale, yeah. which I don't even know where that is. Upstate, I'm assuming. I don't know. Um, they were dressed to go to the Metallica concert that they were not playing in full Misfits attire. Now, remember, 
The Misfits have been broken up at this point for uh, four years. No, uh, excuse me. They've been broken up for six years. Yeah. So it's a bit uh, presumptuous, I would say. So along with them, they brought a custom guitar for Kirk Hammett, a custom drum skin for Lars. They brought some 1979 promo posters that were for some shows they played at Max's Kansas City, and a Christ the Conqueror demo featuring... The song Wherever I May Roam. Now, ah, Metallica's Black album released in 91 featured a song of the same name, Wherever I May Roam. Is that a coincidence? Hmm. Yes, they don't sound anything alike. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I, I would hope not because Wherever I May Roam by the Metallica version is way better. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the few times I would pick Metallica over another band. I don't think I, I I would never even I would never even listen to Christ the Conqueror. Like I would never even give it a shot. If I'm being honest, <laughs> I for curiosity's sake, it's worth listening to maybe one or two songs. But after that, you get the general idea. Yeah. Um. As for this Metallica show itself, apparently Jerry and Doyle were heckled by security for most of the night because <laughs> they were in full Misfits gear. Look at this guy. What are you, a mad scientist? That's your boyfriend. Go get out of here. What are, what are you thinking doing with those skulls? Get those skulls out of here. That's too many skulls. Um, and I got a little clarification of, of what the Doyle fan club entailed, which is different than the Misfits fan club. The Doyle fan club came after the Misfits broke up. Apparently, it was a lot of pen lights. <laughs> um, what? Different pen lights. Silver ones for Christ the Conqueror, black ones for Christ the Conqueror. <laughs> Uh, so weird. Crimson Ghost guitar picks, even though I don't think they had the rights to the Crimson Ghost at the time. They did um, Christ the Conqueror Christmas packages. I guess that dovetails with the fact that they're a Christian band. Yeah, that tracks. So um, I saw a picture of one online. I mean, they're, this is it's, these guys know how to merchandise. So, you know, they had a copy of the EP on cassette, CD. Uh, they included 10 bumper stickers <laughs> in each package, which is... If you're buying a, if you're spending your money on the Doyle fan club, you may not even have one car. So right. Um, my my thought though is they actually, what what I read was they printed fifteen thousand of these bumper stickers, and they didn't send out fifteen thousand bumper stickers. So you have to imagine that somewhere there is a stack of unstuck Christ the Conqueror bumper stickers just covered in seagull shit somewhere. It's probably in the Pacific Ocean right now. It, or kind of like It's kind of like the E.T. video game. Yeah. They, they buried it. In they buried it. The desert. Because it was cheaper than sending it out. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they, they, they kept up the merchandising. It's just that I'm sure being a member of the Fiend Club got you cooler swag than the Doyle Fan Club. Right. Now, last but definitely not least, and this is something I really found interesting, and I was reading through Misfit Central to, to find these old nuggets. Uh, back in 94, when Jerry only was percolating this new version of the Misfits, I guess they were already practicing. They hadn't yet settled on vocalists. They, we, of course, talked about how they talked to Danzig and Dave Vanian again. They were both asked to sing. They both refused. But I got a little more info on how Danzig <laughs> refused. So, <laughs> uh, after a Danzig show in Red Bank, New Jersey, Jerry and Doyle went to visit Glenn at his hotel room just to ask him to join the band. So Jerry's like, we went through his door and knocked. Fifteen minutes later, security came and walked us out of the hotel. So we took that as a no. <laughs> he didn't even open the door. 
Wow. <laughs> which is which is like that's so stubborn. I know. Well, he's. I mean, he, I think if nothing else, we've established that he's a, a real jack off. Yeah, he's a diva. Oh yeah. The, and there was somebody else being considered as well that blew my mind. And I don't know if he was actually officially asked, but he was being considered at one time to sing for the new version of the Misfits. And that guy was Pete Steele. Weird. I mean, it might work. Well, here's what I say. I'm not a big fan of typo. I've listened to, you know, I've listened to October Rust and I've listened to Bloody Kisses and I've listened to some of the, the later ones, but I love his first band Carnivore and I love the first typo record because it's basically a carnivore record. Um, right. It's, they're just so great and his vocals are awesome on it. It's before he was doing the, the, yeah, the spooky ghost. Yeah. He was still, you know, he still had a very aggressive delivery and I would have loved to hear him on American Psycho as much as I love Graves, but, you know, it probably wouldn't have had the playful feel. It would have been more about, you know, <laughs> being violated with a table saw, licking tombstones, all the shit that Pete yeah, Steele yeah. would write about. Like Violent Joy Division. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the thing was, though, it wasn't a complete pipe dream. The Misfits' first performance in 12 years was during a typo encore in our, on October 30th, 1995, and Kenny Hickey, who plays guitar for Typo, he actually joined Graves on vocals for three of the songs, and then huh. they did the same thing again during the encore on Halloween. So that's pretty fucking awesome. I would have loved to have been in the crowd for that, just to see that mixing of, of those bands. But yeah, so I just thought... A few few little interesting things that I found out, but uh, I feel like it's time that we actually bury this coffin collection and get on with it. So, yeah, let's uh, let's return to the dive. Yes. So the post American Psycho Misfits. That's where we're at now. They've dropped American Psycho. Uh, it's 1997. Went on tour. And it was a dream, right? So they did a bunch of arenas along with Megadeth, and they had a European and South American tour planned for the summer of '98. Now. Interestingly enough, uh, punk was huge in South America and specifically Brazil. The top three most famous bands in Brazil uh, still today are like Metallica, Guns N' Roses, and the Ramones. <laughs> like they were all selling out the arenas in Brazil. So like it's kind of a weird – it's not It's not abnormal for like punk to make it out there. And then like for some reason bad religion's huge in Germany. Um, <laughs> so weird. It's so weird. I mean like I attribute it to their logo. Um, which was red, black, and white, uh, which they fashioned after swastikas. So um, <clears throat> anyway, so Graves, who sounds a little bit like a Danzig-style prima donna himself, even getting himself uh, – he ended up getting himself arrested for attacking a sound guy in 1996. He even said that he would be unable to go on either tour. So it's already starting with drama. Yeah, he – I mean, you got to think after dropping an LP like that, they have these massive tour tours playing, and he's just like, can't go. Yeah. Hmm. No, thanks. Um, so enter Mike Hideous, uh, vocalist of goth rock band The Empire Hideous. Now, Mike would lend his vocals to another gothic band during the late 90s and early 2000s called The Bronx Casket Company. And they're fine, I guess. Uh, now, Mike joined the Misfits for the summer tour, and you could hear him on several Misfits bootlegs at the time, Psycho and Chili and Beyond the Grave, live 98-99. Uh, he's got a lower register than Graves, but he definitely fits well with the band overall. But Graves pitched a fit about having a temporary replacement, apparently expecting the band just to stay home. Uh, which, you know, when you book a tour like that, that's a lot of work. And especially in, like, 
97 and 98 where the internet is just coming up, they probably weren't using AOL to book that tour. No, I mean, it was probably a lot of phone calls and I'm sure in some cases letters. That's what people used to do. So it's yeah. pretty vexing, I would say, even for a, a goon like Jerry only. <laughs> right, exactly. So at the time, uh, he must not have realized that Jerry only would never stop doing the Misfits. Graves rejoined in August of 99 after the temporary singer. Now, uh, guess where the Misfits played on July 18th, 1999? If you said Orbit 2000 in Daytona Beach, Florida, you'd be correct. I did not go to the show. I was not allowed to go to the show uh, because in 1999, I was uh, 13 um, (laughs) and I was not allowed in scary places. Um, However, I believe that Callista went. I believe she did. Yeah, and and a few other folks that we know had gone to the show, which uh, we talked about Orbit 2000 in in a very early, or or, or Orbit 3000, I'm sorry. Orbit 2000 was the prequel. Um, (laughs) Orbit 3000, we talked about that in one of the uh, earlier shows that we talked about venues, and this place was a fucking dive. Yeah, but it was awesome, and I really miss it. Yeah. So uh, the Misfits played right here in Daytona, and we both missed it. Yes. Uh, Though some of our friends were there, and you know who else was in attendance? Eerie Vaughn. Why? Who knows? That's a question that we'll never answer. I mean, they they share they played the same stage that Slipknot played in, so yeah. uh, it's it was a weird place. So weird things happen there. Apparently, uh, Erie Vaughn showed up to the Jacksonville show as well. I don't know if he was in Florida or if he lives in Florida, but as a new, as somebody uh, who's getting middle aged and is from New Jersey, the law is they have to move to Florida. But yeah, that's it's it's part of the license. I was actually allowed to go to the show because I went to a lot of Orbit shows, but I missed a lot of Orbit shows because I couldn't get rides because I wasn't driving then. I, I missed uh, I missed the final show. That pissed me off. That sucked. I missed Link 80 because my friend got grounded and I stayed home with him and we just skateboarded. <laughs> and uh, I missed this one, I'm, I'm assuming, because I couldn't get a ride. Because I, I liked the Misfits at that time and the fact they were playing in town. But that just kind of shows you... I don't know, either either I was spoiled at the time because I'd seen a bunch of bands by then, or I don't know, I guess I just didn't realize how amazing and special it was they were playing right here in town. But right. the show, of course, produced a lot of uh, urban legends. Uh, Big Worm, who was the hype guy for Levantine, which was a redneck Holly Hill punk rock band from here. Uh-huh. Big Worm didn't play an instrument, and he just hit himself in the head with shit while the band played. And legend has it that he tossed somebody through a window at orbit because there was a big fucking brawl. And uh, that would have been cool to see, if not scary, in 99. But yeah. Earth Crisis opened, and I don't mind that I missed them. But I, that will always plague me that I missed that Misfit show. Yeah, it, it's a bummer. I mean, but it's also like... It- 99 like that era was really strange for shows in Daytona because there were a lot of small venues that got really big bands. Like we've talked about this before, but um, the neon moon, like I remember seeing Everclear play there like and Buck Cherry, which nobody gives a fuck about Buck Cherry, but like they were huge at the time. Like they should have been playing like, I don't know, at least the house of blues. I think that it was more, we were so naive having not, we didn't really know how shit worked. So I think in my mind, and I didn't mean this in a selfish way, but I was probably just like, Oh yeah, the misfits will come back. They come here. Yeah. <laughs> Without realizing yeah. like fucking misfits don't come to Daytona. You fucking like, nobody comes to Daytona. <laughs> it's like, 
when a big band shows up here, which back then you're right, we for some reason we lucked out on a lot of different things, even at the church. Trial, Newfound Glory, Convert, oh no, Converge, no, Converge didn't play, I don't think. Fucking Buried no. Alive played Happy Days. Uh, I think Disembodied played Happy Days. So all these things that we missed just thinking, oh yeah, they come here. Yeah, I mean, we did see Yellow Card play twice at the Iceplex, so, you know, but that's that's a different story. <laughs> I did so. not. Oh, you missed out. They were actually really great live, so, uh, I mean, not that anybody cares. So, anyway, later that year, the Misfits began their association with World Championship Wrestling, WCW, my first memory of the Misfits, really, uh, when they faced off with Vampiro, a wrestler who looks like he should be in the Misfits, but isn't, and now is an announcer for Lucha Underground, which is a different wrestling promotion, and also is about 100 pounds heavier than he was back then. <laughs> now, uh, you know, considering where the Misfits have ended up, getting chairs bounced off your skull really was a more reasonable choice than what they were even dealing with or kind of where they come from. Now, uh, on October 5th, 1999, the Misfits released their second full-length since reforming, and that brings us to Famous Monsters. Cleanse them. Cleanse the world of their ignorance and sin. Bathe them in the crimson of... Am I on speakerphone? No, absolutely not. Speakerphone, no. No, I wouldn't do that. Yes, I am. I can hear the echo. Oh, my God. You're right. Hang on one second. I'll take you off. That's rude. I don't know who's in the room. Love this one. Uh, of course, the title of the record is a callback to the movie magazine, Famous Monsters of Filmland, and we talked about that. The Misfits lifted their text logo from that, not the Crimson Ghost that came from a movie poster. But is Famous Monsters a good record? I think it's a great record. What do you think? Uh, it's fine. <laughs> Like I said, like it was one of those things I just don't I just didn't care about the misfits. So like the the records I listened to were like Walk Among Us, uh collection, and I listened to fucking American Psycho. Like those are the only Misfits records I really listened to, and I didn't really give anything else a shot. Well, I I had already been really into American Psycho at that point, Walk Among Us. I had the collection um, not the coffin collection, but I had I had misfit CDs laying around in my room, and I would play bass or guitar to them. And I just I was so stoked when I heard they were doing a New Graves record, as I really loved American Psycho, and I think Famous Monsters is a worthy successor. I'm kind of in the minority on that surprise because most people don't like Graves era, and if they do, they usually only like American Psycho. Yeah, so I'm I fit the majority. That's fine. That makes sense. But. I do have a, a specific personal memory of this record, and since it's our show, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to say it. So Yeah. Uh, here's how I got my copy. So our friend Amelia used, uh, introduced me to another friend who became my friend. It was a mutual friend, a kid back in the ninth grade that she used to BMX with, Sam Bowen, who you coincidentally lived next door to for quite a while, right? Yeah, my family still lives next to their door to their family. Yeah, like they're still there. I still see I still see them every time I go over there every Friday and say hi to them. So they're they're a really great family. They're a lot of fun. Oh, they're they're wonderful people. Now, 
Sam, who he doesn't, he lives in Virginia now, but Sam, he lived down the street from me at the time. So not very far from where he ended up next to you in South Daytona. And there was always a crew of us skateboarding and running around and there were BMXers too. And Sam was just always super cool to me and as nice as anyone could be. One of those people, when you meet them, immediately accepted you and was just friendly and fun and, you know, got along with you, had the same sense of humor. Yeah. I mean, his sister is like that, too. Allie is exactly like that, too. They're wonderful, wonderful people. Yeah, she's a really nice she's a really nice person. Um, so it was December of 99 because the, the record had just come out and we were killing time waiting for people to get off work so we could go skate, you know, wait to meet up. Everyone go skate somewhere in the, in the middle of the night. And Sam just said, let's go to the mall. And neither of us could, had a car. Ten minute drive from South Daytona. But all we had was my board, his bike. So we hit the street as we were wont to do. And I skated, he was riding, and those spots where I couldn't skate because there was no sidewalk or, or whatever, he rode me on his handlebars. And it was December. It was cold. There was wind everywhere. It took us an hour. We finally get to the mall just for no other fucking reason that we were bored and we had to kill three hours. Right. And we walked around. We went into Camelot. I probably had 10 bucks on me. And I picked up Famous Monsters, and this is back when CDs were $18, you know? And <laughs> right. I was just looking at it, like, seeing how many songs were on it, because I didn't have the fucking internet. I just knew there was a new album. Sam bought it for me, just out of, just, just, just said, I'll get it for you. And I was like, dude, you don't have to do that. And he's like, Merry Christmas. I couldn't believe it. And neither of us had a fucking job. <laughs> right. And, I just, I'll never forget that one nice thing. I fucking love that dude. And I know he, he's married with kids. At least last I heard, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't still be married, but married with kids in Virginia. So shout out to Sam, the man, uh, Sam Bowen, just a great guy. And yeah, he, I'll he's, always uh, associate famous monsters with that time and that gesture. Yeah, he's uh, he's in Virginia. He's on a farm, like working on a farm, or he owns a farm, or something yeah. like that. Like super normal shit, like super normal domesticated life. But he's he's doing good, and so uh, and he and he deserves it because he's a great guy. As much as we made fun of Devil Lock, Sam did have a Devil Lock for a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you didn't care that he did because he was nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, famous monsters back to back track listing of bangers in in my opinion forbidden zone dust to dust witch hunt scream die monster die them fiend club and hunting humans one of my favorites it also features what many consider even the naysayers to be the best graves misfits track which is called saturday night it's reminiscent of a 1950s pop ballad and think think a song like twilight time but yeah. with the huge Misfits guitars, the great melodies. And the song, of course, is not about something nice. I think Graves is basically, he's a serial killer in the song, singing about all the women that he's murdered. But yeah, it's a very pretty song. Uh, everything we said about American Psycho, you can say about Famous Monsters. So if you like one, you may like the other, probably will. But I don't know, a lot of people have proven me wrong on that. It's just, it's big, it's fun, it's catchy. There are three b-sides on the record spread across the european and japanese releases one of which one million years bc i would say contender for top 10 grave songs love that one i don't know why it was a b-side it was one of the it was the first thing i downloaded from napster (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome i think the first thing i downloaded from napster was like an atari song that was mistitled as a blink 182 song (laughs) i I hated when they used to do that shit (laughs) 
It's like, oh, this is good. This song's called Anything for You by Blink-182. Nope, that doesn't sound like either of them. <laughs> um, so the Misfits did a video for Scream, which is fine. You know, it's just it's whatever you think a Misfits video is going to look like. And they appeared in three more movies. They had appeared in Animal Room prior to American Psycho, but then they appeared after uh, Famous Monsters in George Romero's Bruiser, which is not a great movie, um, Campfire Tales, and... Big money hustlers. (laughs) Now, as I have talked about at great length, Big Money Hustlers was Insane Clown Posse's film debut. Well, dramatic film debut. I think they had a they. I think they did the shockumentary before this. Right, right, right. And it was written by. I mean, they did everything. They wrote it. They produced it. A lot of it with their own money. They direct. I mean, they didn't direct it, but I'm sure they were heavily involved. And it's it's basically a take on the black exploitation films of the '70s. And it's a fucking mess, but it is so funny. And I think the first time it probably helped me the first time I saw it to accept it more and not be so critical because I was stranded on tour. <laughs> Or it was like a it was like an extended trip. It was like almost a week of shows, and I was stranded. Right, and we couldn't leave the fucking room. So yeah, you were stuck watching this. It was like it was like this weird form of torture. Yeah, but I ended up loving it. So I guess I had Stockholm syndrome with Big Money Hustlers. Um, <laughs> so the Misfits, Graves Misfits, actually appear in one of the best scenes early on. So Harlan Williams, one of the only people who you might recognize in the movie, he plays Officer Harry Cox. Of course he does. <laughs> he takes Shaggy 2 Dope, who plays Sugar Bear, a pimp-suited detective who speaks only in rhyme, <laughs> takes him to the Donut Hut, uh, and who's bellied up to the bar in the Donut Hut in full makeup, drinking coffee and eating donuts. Jerry only, Doyle, Chud, and Graves. And another guy who's sort of dressed like them, and I think it's the director, John Caffiero, who's a good friend of Jerry Only's, but I can't be sure. So Doyle actually hits Harlan Williams in the head with a donut and they all laugh. at <laughs> And then eight boy comes in to rob the store and which is where we get our sound clip for our usual forgotten freshness. I'm in an ape suit. That means I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so, that's where that's from. Now, the last thing I'll say here on big money hustlers, according to IMDB, the brief cameo of the misfits came at a price. Violent J actually has an audiobook um bio- autobiography. I can't. I mean, good for them. I, but yeah, just, I just it's just there's it's, every time you think there's enough ICP merch, there's more. Yeah. The, I mean, when it comes to merchandising, holy Christ, those guys know what they're doing. Blacklight posters everywhere. Yeah. So, J basically Violent J basically no, it noted that the, the misfits came they they did their scene and they left except for jerry only he kept sticking around and showing up every shooting day he would come by with you know his grandmother's italian meatballs uh he would just bend their ears relentlessly about classic punk rock gigs always talking about his association with sid and mrs vicious <laughs> and he would rub people's backs like while they were eating or doing something (laughs) what i don't know and he had violent jay said he had a very stage mom personality because his son had a bit part in it as an altar boy because there's a scene in the beginning at the end that takes place in a church uh which is very funny (laughs) but (laughs) the kid doesn't do anything but just sit kind of sit there and hold the whatever the the catholic pole is i don't even remember from when i was a kid whatever 
Yeah, I was Catholic never an Paul. altar boy, so. Um, and, and he said that when the shoot was finally over, he was very relieved because Jerry only really gave him the creeps. So, <laughs> so weird. I mean, imagine Juggalos being disturbed by your presence. So the Misfits, they continued plugging away in their support of Famous Monsters. And, uh, but unfortunately, there was some dissent fomenting within their ranks, as per usual. Yeah. And it's not hard to imagine Jerry only, you know, shoving meatballs at everybody and rubbing their backs. <laughs> Let me get my claws on them clams, Dad. You feel real tight. So on October 25th, 2000, the Misfits were playing at the House of Blues in Orlando, Florida. And yes, I missed the show again. Did you make this one? No, I didn't. Um, and, and I know why I didn't, because I wouldn't have. <laughs> you just you legitimately chose not to see the Misfits. Yeah, I was like, yeah, like, uh, let's see, 2000, that was 20 years ago. Um, I was... You were 14, right? I was 14 or 15, so I, that was probably the year, maybe it was the year after, because I think it was like one of the first times I went to the House of Blues was after, and I had seen Bad Religion. So um, I probably didn't, I just didn't care that the Misfits were there. Well, it was 2000, so I don't, I might have been driving, I was probably driving at that time, but I don't think I was allowed to drive myself to Orlando. I don't know what happened, but I missed the show that night. And if, you know, it's a double-edged sword, because if I had gone, I would have been furious at the time. But after the event, I would have been glad I was there because <laughs> what happened that night? Well, so this is the night that the Misfits break up on stage, <laughs> which is not a thing that you want in your band's story. Like, that's not that's not the way that your band should break up. And so it's just interesting that this is the second time this has happened to the Misfits. Yeah, because th- that was kind of the way the last gig in 83 went. Uh huh. Danzig saying, "This is it." Now, this one went a little bit different. Now, it started when Graves announced early in the set that he would be quitting the band that Halloween. I love that he picked Halloween as the date. He's like, <laughs> "Nope, this is the day." So um, and and then Doyle's gear started malfunctioning, and he just lumbered off stage. Uh, and apparently, punching your amp doesn't make the sound go. <laughs> so uh, finally, Graves and Chud walked off together, leaving Jerry, only Jerry, on stage to perform. We are one thirty-eight. By himself, sounds like Jerry Lonely. (laughs) (laughs) Which should be another character in our shirt series, and we're going to probably add him. Just a sad... (laughs) We have him, like, kind of sad face with a meatball sub in one hand. I made this for you, wherever you are. Oh, God. (laughs) As we will continue to prove, Jerry only is never going to let the Misfits die. He will never quit. Never, ever, ever. Legacy be damned. This is his fucking job. This is all he does. And it seems like he has nothing else. Jerry only... uh, uh, Jerry Kaiafa is dead. (laughs) It's like... It's it, here's what it is. It's you know how when every people talk about Batman and Bruce Wayne, they talk about how Bruce Wayne is the mask. Yeah, yeah. And Batman is his real personality. <laughs> That's what this is. Jerry Kaiafa died, and Jerry only is the personality. Like Jerry Kaiafa is the mask. So and, and so, <laughs> audiences are a cowardly, superstitious lot. I shall become. An idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, also, you know, when we start talking about this, what a bunch of jerk offs just quit in the middle of a set. Like, that's fucking, that's just, you're just yeah. all dicks. 
I mean, like, that's so the shitty. money they were getting paid and <sighs> terrible. Right. Like being a touring musician is not a hard job when you compare it to almost literally anything else. And especially when you're at that level, yeah. because that means that you don't have to load your fucking equipment. Like, you know, if it were us, we would have to bring, we would have to quit and then pull our equipment off yeah. stage and then drive home together and then like, drive home together. They get a bus that they could get away from each other and someone else to drive. Right, they could literally get a taxi and just go fly home. Yeah. Like they had enough money to go do that. Like so, you know, it's just so it's like it's very diva. Like and so as we've been saying in the last few episodes, uh really the misfits are great, but everybody is an idiot or an asshole or both. Now, determined to not let the band die as Jerry Lonely is wont to do, <laughs> recruited, he went on and recruited another than Zoli Teglis, the angelic piped, muscle-bound vocalist of California melodic hardcore band Ignite, uh, which the best Pennywise record is the one with Zoli on it. Agreed. <laughs> and Zoli's voice is so incredibly distinct. So a lot of people are wondering, why him? So the reason being is that Zoli had filled in for Graves on some of the Canadian shows earlier that month. And when Graves left, he was a natural choice. And goddamn, does he sound like an uh, sound awesome on any of the bootlegs that you can hear from him. And specifically from the bootleg in Irvine, California. Now, Chud was replaced by a guy named uh, Ken Schlack, Schalk, Skalk, uh, nicknamed Renfield. Uh, naturally. And after the second breakup, Graves and Chud formed a band called Graves, putting out one record, Web of Dharma, in 2002 before breaking up. So uh, it seems like nobody in this band or any of these bands can really keep anything together. So no. it's kind of sad. Now, uh, then Graves joined another horror punk band called Gotham Road, and Dr. Cho- Chud went on to form uh, Dr. Chud's Export. Uh, I mean, it all sounds like what you think it sounds like, horror punk that's just not as great as The Misfits, but Graves' 2005 solo record, Punk Rock is Dead, according to Mikey, is pretty great. It's now, pretty great. It's pretty great. So uh, in 2001, The Misfits released a posthumous B-Sides collection Cuts from the Crypt, uh, which is an awesome name for a B-Sides record. So I will give them that. It definitely is on brand. Uh, And there's some filler, but overall, it's a good addition to the catalog. And it's always nice when bands have recorded music and can get it all out. Um, Because I know that we have talked about this before, where we've been in bands that we've we've written songs and we could never record it. And so it just doesn't exist. It's lost to the the time. Um, And it's a shame because there's some really great songs that were out there that we were really proud of that we could have gotten out. But... But now this, sad. this, I know. I'm sorry. So cuts from the crypt. Uh, you know, it features the aforementioned uh, one million years BC Devil Doll Helena two. I got a right. Uh, originally a song by the Stooges. I want to be a New York Ranger. Uh, written by Big Money Hustlers. Uh, John Caffiero's Dead Kings Rise and the Monster Mash because of course they're too dumb to not be on the nose. <laughs> now. It gives us a nice or terrible, depending on how you look at it, seg into the next phase of the Misfits, the third incarnation, which we like to call Jerry. Only Jerry. They're not ghosts. This house is not haunted. It's possessed. (laughs) Possessed, man. Haunted? Come on. Who gives a shit? Refusing to give up, refusing to let it die, uh, even after his brother quit the band, 
Jerry enlisted former Black Flag guitarist Des Cadena and Marky Ramone to play with him, making the Misfits a three-piece for the time being. Now, only soon joined forces again with Big Money Hustler John Caffiero, and the two started Misfits Records. Uh, the first release was a 2002 split single featuring the Misfits and long-running Japanese horror punk band Balzac. Uh, <laughs> Balzac's and, uh, pretty great. Uh, yeah. I like Balzac. Yeah, yeah, they're fine. They're fine. And, and the Misfits covered Balzac's Day the uh, Day the Earth Caught Fire, and Balzac covered the Misfits' Don't Open Till Doomsday from American Psycho. So uh, I always like those splits that, like, when it does work out and the covers are pretty good of each other's bands, like, that's always nice. Um, doesn't always work out. Now, the next release on Misfits Records still haunts us to this day. And in 2003, I remember seeing when this came out, too, and I was like, excuse me? Um <laughs> Uh, this project, the Des only Marky version of the Misfits, it was a covers album called Project 1950. <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> should be cool. Like that sounds like a cool name for like some horrific science experiment post World War II. That like it, it like it could have been something so much cooler than it was. But here's what it was. It was just a compilation of punked up covers from 1950s pop tunes. Like this magic moment, Dream Lover, Donna, Monster Mash, and You Belong to Me. So like they didn't even pick cool songs. Like this could have been a really great concept album. <laughs> the the titular project 1950 is some sort of nuclear thing that they wrote an entire concept album about. That would have been cool. Yeah. But- right. But that's not what this is. They didn't do that. No. Now, this might seem like it's completely out of left field, but there is some precedence. Now, the Misfits were heavily influenced by the Ramones, uh, in this newest incarnation especially, with Marky being the drummer. And the Ramones drew a ton of influence. And actually, a lot of bands like the Stooges and all that, too, would draw a lot of influence from classic rock in, in from the 1950s and 60s, including Buddy Holly, the Beach Boys, the Ronettes, and the Shangri-Las. And the Ramones were using those same chord progressions, those same melodies, uh, and they would even cover some of those songs. They would just do it double time. And distorted and joey's voice was perfect for that it was always really reminiscent of those classic rock vocalists and those crooners right you hear that a little bit about in some of in some of joey's voice and it makes sense for the misfits given their crooning uh like you know kind of their the, the preference for that type of vocal and so it makes sense but was it good critically the album managed to be a success like a lot of fans hate it but people bought it and uh and as for us project 1958 isn't the worst thing we've heard but I don't give a shit about it. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Like, if it didn't exist in the catalog, it, it wouldn't be a thing that I would continue to listen to. Like, I wouldn't, I don't listen to it. So, um, I, I've, I've listened to it some. I don't mind it. Yeah, I, it's it's just like I said, it's fine <laughs> enough. This magic moment. <laughs> yeah, which I guess is better like, this magic It's Which would be a dance it's not. It's not bad. It's worth the spin around Halloween. Yeah, I mean, and to be fair, though, like, you know, when you think about, like, bands from this ilk in this time, like, these types of covers made sense. Like, they did a lot of covers. The Ramones did covers. Like, you can go listen to the Ramones cover Surfing Bird. Yeah. Which is a fun, it's a fun, it's a fun fucking cover, though. It's like, bar, 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 to work, because that song is bullshit. Family Guy ruined that song for me. I can't. Yeah. Not that I liked it before, but now I want to murder when I hear it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So, but that the, the the idea of bands covering songs like that is not new and it's just a shame that did this. Now, ironically, while Jerry Only was turning the Misfits into something no one ever wanted or needed, Doyle was joining Danzig on stage through December 2004 for a surprise 30-minute set of classic Misfits songs, which is really cool. I remember when this happened, and I was like, "Uh, this is as close as we'll ever get." 
And uh, and Doyle was quoted in an interview during the reunion saying that the Misfits, uh, saying the Misfits had played a t- plan to reunite as far back as 2002, but Jerry only had quote put a fucking monkey wrench in it. End quote. So instead, uh, he just hopped on stage with Danzig or lumbered on stage more accurately or uh, crawled on stage or dragged himself on stage, whatever it was. So he did something that was akin to a, a mythical monster. Now, this brings us to something in the Misfits timeline that we have to stop and talk about. It was one of the first videos on the Internet that our generation saw and we lost our shit over and we watched it on repeat. Uh, I feel like because of this video, YouTube was invented. <laughs> yeah. And so what we are talking about here is called the punch. (laughs) Yes, the fabled and storied punch. So in 2004, right around this time, they were doing those special sets. Danzig got himself knocked the fuck out backstage (laughs) at a show in Arizona. The clip, as we said, went viral as much as it could go viral pre-YouTube back in 2004. YouTube, I think, was 2005. And we'll definitely link it, I'm sure, if if you know the Misfits, you've seen it. The guy who threw the infamous punch was one Danny Mariano, vocalist of Arizona hardcore band Northside Kings. Mm-hmm. Now, the Northside Kings, they're mostly inactive now. But they have released several slabs, some burly slabs of heavy hardcore <laughs> throughout the 2000s, uh, mostly with Thorpe Records. And I, I, my, I, I do genuinely like Northside Kings. I liked them before this. I actually, I think I had just found out about them because I was really into Ramallah and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. And well, maybe, I don't know, maybe the punch made me figure out who they were. I don't know. But at any rate, I did genuinely like them beyond the fact. <laughs> what, what came first, the CD or the punch? Yeah, I did genuinely like them beyond the fact that Danny Mariano punched Danzig. But uh, my favorite of their records was 2004's Organizing Our Neighborhood. It's fucking, it was a banger. Now, the Northside Kings and a few other locals were opening for Danzig that night, which is a big fucking deal. I mean, we keep saying it. He's a dick, but Danzig was... This, Danzig's huge. He's a household name. Right. And right. the fucking Misfits. Uh, opening for Danzig? Oh, my God. But, you know, as as they are wont to do when shows are mismanaged, the time, fe- the, the show fell behind. So, basically what happens is Danzig's slated to play at, I, let's just say he's slated to play at 10. It's probably later than that. But the show, the show doesn't get started until like 9.30. And he's supposed to have, say, three local bands in front of him, including Northside Kings. And if you've ever had a had the time pushback, it's a pain in the ass. If you're in a band you ever had this happen to you, you know how much it sucks. Danzig has the most draw. Everyone's there to see him. The locals are there to, they're going to be able to promote themselves in front of a new crowd. They're going to be able to get some new exposure. People might dig them. But if Danzig doesn't, move his time slot back because the show starts later everyone's gonna fucking leave you know right and and uh, Danzig's fans of course are obviously not gonna stick around after Danzig there might be some bands that would stick around for the locals but it's just a dick move for him to be so inflexible so Danzig ended up playing and when they wanted to when they were scheduled to and instead of just walking off stage and then the other bands coming on when the lights came up Danzig's crew started tearing apart the stage. The other bands couldn't even get their gear on stage. So Danzig refused to apologize or understand when Mariano goes backstage to confront him. There was a camera rolling. I'm assuming it was a flip phone. 
because yeah the, yeah the, the quality or a sidekick <laughs> yeah or a sidekick the quality isn't super great but basically they're having words and mariano's trying to reason with him like why why couldn't you let us play and danzig finally just shoves him and goes fuck you motherfucker and danny mariano stops for a second and then he throws the the meanest sloppiest beast of a right hook and lays the king of Halloween Town out. <laughs> oh, it is. It looks like an attempted murder. Yeah, I mean, he Danzig wasn't knocked out for long. I mean, he he came to very quickly. It was one of those where you get clocked and you don't know where you are and you're oh you're on the floor. But he went down like a sack of shit. Now, yeah, and most people, reasonable people, would figure he had it coming. And the best part of the video is in the back. Some some dude just goes. Northside Kings are undefeated. <laughs> this is a line from the Northside Kings song. And they they did capitalize it. They took the Danzig skull, which is, I guess, similar to the Sam Hain skull, if not the exact yeah. same. And they put blood on it, and they just put Northside Kings are undefeated. I think they put X's over the eyes, too, <laughs> yeah. like it was knocked out. Now, here's what I didn't know about this. And I, I watched an interview with Danny Mariano. He, he's For singer for a tough guy band, he's a very well-spoken man. He seems very friendly, very nice. And he, he was well within his rights to punch Danzig. This wasn't a case of bullying somebody. They didn't jump Danzig. He got shoved, and Danny Mariano knocked him out, which is what he deserved. Right. So over the subsequent years since then, he was savaged online by Danzig fanboys to the point where he actually wrote a book about the experience <laughs> and the negative effects of cyberbullying. It's called Don't Ever Punch a Rockstar, a collection of hate mail and other crazy rumors. It was, wow. He reprinted all the death threats and hate mail. Now, Danzig, of course, basically said, I allowed myself to be knocked out because if I punched him back, he'd, he'd sue me. But since he pushed the guy first, that doesn't make much sense. Self-defense. I mean, he right. shoved him angrily, and he paid the price. So right. we just had to stop and throw that one in there. We'll link the video. So back to the mid-2000s. Yeah, so back to only Jerry only. Uh, <laughs> the Danzig-Doyle encores continued through 2005 and 2006, culminating in Danzig producing Doyle's next project, Gorgeous Frankenstein, which is a fucking awesome name yeah. uh, for anything like this. Now, Gorgeous Frankenstein should be a Rob Zombie record. It sounds like Rob Zombie meets the Misfits, uh, while not being as good as either of them. So it's not bad. It's not great. It does exist. Now, here are some lyrics from Gorgeous Frankenstein. Just to give you a taste. Just to give you a little sample. Now, she's everything I dreamed a woman should be. She's got lightning bolts within her hair. Sewn on head, but I don't care. No whore from hell could ever take her place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, (laughs) all right. Now, uh, you know, and though it was Doyle's project, when we talk about this, uh, he was the gorgeous Frankenstein after all. Look, my bolts. They look fucking great. They're beefy. And... Doyle didn't sing. He just played guitar. So it was kind of like he's like the Carlos Santana of B-movie horror punk groups. And uh, his wife, wrestler Gorgeous George, real name Stephanie Bellers, uh, joined the band on stage as a dancer. Chud even drummed for a time. Now, um, they had one self-titled record in 2007 released on Evil Live Records, which Danzig owned. So you start seeing kind of the, the bridges mending a little bit. When it comes to the original Misfits and and the the rest of the group now, yeah, Doyle's definitely seems like Doyle was close to him at this time. Yeah, I think it. I think the issue is Doyle was too dumb to be stubborn. Well, and also Doyle was very young for the the tenure of the Misfits. I think he joined the band when he was fourteen. 
and yeah. they, they kind of trained yeah. him. So uh, right, probably hard to be mad at the at the little brother, even though the little brother is like fucking eight feet tall. <laughs> yeah, like he's a monster. Like that would be like if Jesse started lifting weights and then like power bombed me through you know the hood of my car. So it's pretty it's pretty horrifying. Now in two thousand six, uh, the band did something that really grinds our gears. They pressed an EP of two unreleased songs recorded during the American Psycho sessions, but the songs have no vocals. Uh. Uh, which is, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? Such a waste, dude. Like, here's the thing. Breathe or Resist put out, like, an EP after they broke up that were unfinished songs, or they were songs that were um, partially finished but that turned into Young Widow songs, but they had vocals on it, at least. So, you know, they did everybody a favor. Now, uh, this EP was called Psycho in the Wax Museum, uh, and the absence of vocals truly makes no sense. Because, keep in mind, like, the Misfits songs are not uh, written by maestros or virtuosos. <laughs> yeah. They're like three or four chord punk rock songs. So like, why the fuck would you not have ly- like lyrics over them? Like uh, Mastodon put out a couple instrumental songs, but it's Mastodon and they are incredible musicians. So you listen to it and you're like, this is interesting even without the, the, the heroin soaked vocals. Yeah. This is, this, this doesn't sound, this isn't that intricate. It doesn't keep your attention without the vocals. No, I mean they could have done anything. They could have Jerry could have sung. They could have gotten Zoli, uh, Mike Hideous, literally anybody. But they decided to release it instrumental, uh, probably because Jerry's vocal booth was too crowded with all that salami hanging in the ceiling. So <laughs> you know, they just couldn't fit a vocalist in there. Now the songs sound great. They probably could have been really cool. They probably should have been used on American Psycho. Uh, and yes, the EP is only available through the mail from Misfits Records, going back to what they used to do in the '80s. But still. Graves re-recorded one of the songs, Angel Baby, and renamed it We Are the Wicked. So, you know, even him, he even knew he's like, this this doesn't do it justice. Let's do like let's, let's make this real. Now, <clears throat> Jerry continued plugging away, despite the clear red flag that he ostracized his own brother, that 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 they were putting out stuff that people didn't really care about. Marky Ramone even left the Misfits, and former Black Flag drummer Robo again joined the band for the first time since the Earth AD days back in the summer of 83. So now it's the Misfits. Or it's Jerry only with Black Flag, pretty much. Yeah, Dez um, and Robo. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, and, and this new lineup embarked on the Misfits' 30th anniversary world tour in 2009 and 2010. And they also released the first new Misfits studio material in six years, a single titled Land of the Dead. Now, the song isn't bad. We've heard worse. Uh, there's a ton of woes, right? It's catchy, right? So it's like it's on, it's uh, it, it, it tracks with the with the brand, you know. Uh, but going forward, the Misfits' original material can be considered just a cut below Graves, uh, as far as this goes. Like it's just kind of, it's not Graves, it's not Danzig, it's whatever. And that's actually one of the problems that we have with this and and really some of the other stuff. Um, you know, it becomes more mid tempo. It's not fast. It's not upbeat. Uh, they don't have the same aggression or a sense of speed. Uh, any of those things, it's all missing. It feels like it's kind of phoned in, um, even though it like hits the formula. It just feels like it's kind of there and unnecessary. Yeah. It- it's like a just an old it sounds like an older version not <clears throat> like they can't keep up with themselves they can't play fast enough almost mm-hmm. i don't know it's just they're it, tired yeah they sound tired i guess yeah i mean after 30 years i guess i would be too but then you go listen to a bad religion record after 40 years and you're like well they fucking do it so i don't know yeah. no. um <clears throat> Now, Jerry only fired Robo in 2010 replaced him with Eric Arce of uh, Murphy's Law. Or Archie. Is that Arce or Archie? Arcee or Archie, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, we'll say Eric Archie because Arce sounds nasty. <laughs> um, 
It sounds nasty. So uh, Eric Archie of uh, Murphy's Law went under the uh, alias Chupacabra in there. So that's, that's you know, uh, the long line of nicknames for bands, uh, band members. And Land of the Dead wouldn't remain exclusive for very long. So in October 2011, the new trio of Only Dez and Chupacabra released the seventh proper Misfits LP. The Devil's Reign. Don't tell me it's not the gas. Your mother thought she smelled gas. Well, Ken, I thought I did. I wasn't sure. All right, sure. So what is it? Any bird rabies? It's that cheap seed you've been buying. Oh, please, Ken. No, it could be. It's got to be a rational explanation. I mean, animals just don't explode into flames for no reason. The Devil's Reign, only the seventh LP in a 30-year lifespan. A lot of releases, but not many full lengths. Yeah. The album was, of course, named after the 1975 William Shatner horror vehicle. (laughs) Shatner being the operative word here because that's what people did when they saw it. Uh Uh, It was savaged by critics. This was, I think I read that he was taking time off from Star Trek and he did a couple of shit movies. So uh, Anton LaVey, of course, uh, was a technical advisor on the film, and he appeared in a small role as well, and I'm sure he was a real chore to be around during production. He's sort of like the Jerry Only of Satanists. (laughs) (laughs) Now, most people feel The Devil's Reign is a bad album. I actually don't. Okay. I I don't think it's a great album, but I don't think it's bad. And it's just it's just nowhere near the other Misfits stuff. There's woes. It's catchy, sure. Jerry's voice isn't bad. I mean, everyone makes fun of Jerry only. Like, your voice sucks, boop. But it's just not as good as the other vocalists. He has a very... I, I don't know. It's somewhere between Graves and Danzig. I can't even imitate yeah. it. It's not like he and can't sing. He can sing. Yeah. There is, of course, the argument that Jerry did not have to take over vocally. You know, they could have tapped Zoli, they could have tapped Mike Hideous, somebody brand new. They've had a million touring members over the years, many of them one-off vocalists. There's a lot of people that were qualified to sing for the Misfits. And a new vocalist might have made it more of a big deal when this came out. I think it would have been more of, of an event, you know, uh, seventh Misfits yeah. album. It's not Danzig, it's not Graves, it's somebody new. Um, I would have loved... To hear a Misfits Zoli album. Yeah. I think that would have been awesome. I mean, I think of it like they, like there's so many opportunities that Misfits could do albums with different vocalists and every album could be a new vocalist yeah. and a new take on that. And it could be like a new character in like the Misfits horror universe. Yeah, like Guar kind of. They had they had a lot of different switch arounds and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they're not thinking. Uh, so, lyrically, The Devil's Reign is probably the most on the nose misfits records yet you know with songs like curse of the mummy's hand jack the ripper and monkey's paw so there's no nuance nothing badass like where eagles dare or saturday night or so many hand things yeah a lot of a lot of hands very weird it's like jerry only just sort of walked around a halloween store to get inspired <laughs> oh here's a ghost hey over here's a vampire go well, i got it give me my pencil the uh <laughs> The record definitely suffers from a campy goofiness that was never really apparent in the older stuff, especially not the Danzig shit, which is yeah, like dark. it moves from like like Danzig was dark, 
Uh, Graves was definitely like that B movie, like that fun horror film type of stuff. Like the fifties and sixties that were like, kind of like, Oh, let's move. And this one's just kind of like a spirit Halloween store put the vinyl. Yeah. Now I'll say this. If you're a big misfits fan, you will probably find something to enjoy here. And I am. So I, I don't hate the devil's reign. I've listened to it. I don't hate it, but if you really only dig Danzig or maybe you're just someone who, only digs them up to famous monsters, then you might not like this. I, I would recommend giving it a spin. It's October. You know, have some fun with it. Don't be so goddamn critical. Um, yeah. In 2013, Misfits Records released the band's third live album, Dead Alive. I said third because we <laughs> remember we only talked about the first one, Evil Live, back in 87, and we didn't mention Evil Live 2 in 98, but that one happened. Is it? Yeah, those exist. Is it necessary? Not really. Um, 2013 was also the year the band released a 12-inch single containing a redone version of Descending Angel from Famous Monsters, a great song, and a B-side cover of science fiction double feature from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. And it's not bad at all. Now, something that a lot of people do find surprising about me, but maybe not, I don't know, maybe not now, but I'm a huge fan of Rocky Horror. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I of course, of course I watch the movie uh, every Halloween. I love it. I love Rocky Horror, but I also have the soundtrack on on my phone. <laughs> and I listen to the soundtrack and I love it. I have the I have the regular movie version, I have the original cast version, and I have the the punk rock version. There's a Rocky Horror punk rock show. <laughs> uh, I just I hate musicals. I don't really like musicals that much either, but I love Rocky Horror. Um, and I, and, and little shop of horrors too. <laughs> I don't, uh, <laughs> I mean, dude, I just don't see how you can't, you can't just love it. I, I don't know how Rocky horror doesn't, when people hear or see Rocky horror, they aren't immediately converted. Like this is the coolest shit ever. You know what it is? I, I realize this, like I've been watching criminal minds a lot lately and there's a scene where like the head guy, um, he's very serious. He's Greg from Dharma and Greg, but he's very serious <laughs> in this. Um, and, uh, right. It's spoiler, spoiler alert. If you haven't watched it right before, um, Thomas C. Howell kills his wife. Um, okay. cause he's like a psycho killer in this. Uh, and he's, he's a really great fucking man. bad guy. Yeah. Uh, he's not soul man in this. He's like, he's, he's aggressive. Um, but basically she says like, you have to, what does she say? She talks about their kid and she's like, you have to let him know that you weren't always so serious. And I was like, that's me. I'm too serious about shit. Like I can't get over my own stupid shit to like, like that stuff. And, uh, and like, I know it's a stupid thing because the, really the only musical I do enjoy is the greatest showman. Well, it's kind of interesting because I usually get pegged as the more um, critical, angry one, but I I feel like I'm far more open to certain things than you are. <laughs> no, you are. Like I think I think that I I think it's absolutely like I am way more stubborn about shit. Like, and I get way angry about stuff. Like I don't I don't like like my my interests are very limited. I've realized that as I gotten older. <laughs> you can't. So when when Tim Curry sings "Sweet Transvestite" when he comes out, and he's like, "How do do I?" She have met Mar, <laughs> faithful handyman. Like you can't. I just, I fucking, I'm like, yeah, rules. Um, so like I said, as a huge Rocky Horror fan, I don't know why it took this long for the Misfits to cover a song from them. I know that they played science fiction double feature live, but they never recorded it. And I don't think there's any reason why, with the Misfits' predilection for covers and schlock. They just don't do, they don't cover the Rocky Horror soundtrack. Uh, 
It would be awesome. I think Jerry only would actually sound great singing Rose Tint My World. It would be amazing. Uh, uh, he would look terrible in Frankenfurter's boots, but probably not <laughs> as bad as he looks with that ever-present male pattern baldness devil lock. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, and it's 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 one of those things that's like, it just makes sense. And I feel like that's what the Misfits do. Like, here's this thing that makes sense. Don't do it. I just, I it's 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 money waiting to be made. Uh, it really well, is. It's on the table. And those songs are very easily translate to power chords. I can play a right. bunch of the songs in the Rocky Horror. I, I mean, I get it. Like, I, 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 I totally get it. Like, there are some songs that are like that. That would be perfect. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like they do some things really well. They market really well. They brand really well. They do all that. But then there's like opportunities where you're like, this would be fucking perfect. Why are you not paying attention to this? And it's just like them just go, I don't, I'll do this instead. I know that they'll never so. hear this, but guys, if you are listening, you you could you could get all these guest vocalists. You get Davey Havoc on it. You you could get Zoli to do uh, "Hot Patootie Bless My Soul" because he sounds just like Meatloaf. Like it would it would be perfect. It would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So when you do listen to this, hopefully you're not all gone. Rocky. You know? <laughs> Doctor Scott. <laughs> Janet. Rocky. <laughs> you know what? For you, Mikey, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to watch it this Halloween season. I've never watched it. Dude, watch it. It's so fun. Yeah, it's all, I, I'm, I'm going to watch it this week. Okay? <laughs> I promise you. I'll probably watch it tomorrow night. I will actually watch it tomorrow okay. night. I want to hear what all you right? think. Yeah, so I will, I, will, I will send you notes. All right, so in 2015, which is only five years ago, um, pre-corona, The Misfits uh, released another two-song single, Vampire Girl slash Zombie Girl, uh, and it's exactly what you think it is. Now, throughout the 2010s, Doyle was continuing to join Danzig on stage, including during his 25th anniversary tour. So that's pretty cool, like, that he's celebrating with them. And, and Doyle was working on some another project simply called Doyle, uh, even though, once again, he didn't sing. My name's the easiest name. That's why it's our name. Well, I guess only, like, but only doesn't sound cool as a band. So anyway, Doyle, the band, featured... Much the same initial lineup as Gorgeous Frankenstein. It sounded almost exactly the same. Rob Zombie plus the Misfits. Uh, and there, there's been a number of member changes since their 2012 inception. With and two LPs, you've got Abominator in 2013 and Doyle Two As We Die in 2017. Uh, it's there if you want to listen to it in your board. Now, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just it's one of those things. Like if you're a, a collectionist, I guess, then enjoy it. Yeah. But. Uh, the Misfits put out two more EPs in the early to early to mid 2010s. Uh, the Horror Christmas in 2013, which we featured some of the songs on our Christmas playlist last year, um, and Friday the 13th. Yeah, it's so bad. Uh, it's not worse than uh, Henry Rollins and William Shatner doing Jingle Bells. So, um, and uh, so and they did the Friday the 13th EP in 2016. Now, Horror Christmas features three covers of Christmas songs: "You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch," uh, "The Island of Misfit Toys," and "Blue Christmas." You don't need it. At all. And uh, the Friday the 13th is middling at best. And does uh, it does feature Jerry Only Son, credited as Jerry o- Other, which is great. Uh, Jerry Other on guitar. Imagine them trying to work out the name. Like, my name's Only, so we're going to make you, like, Other. <laughs> other. Can you be Jerry else? <laughs> it's so stupid. And that's the kid from Big Money Hustlers. So, man, he's doing well. 
Yeah, he's got he's got a a hell of a resume. Now, uh, in in May of 2016, Misfits fans received some rather surprising news. Rather surprising might even be a bit of an understatement. Now, once again, only in Danzig were throwing legal grenades at each other, and just before the dispute could make it to full blown court battle, uh, as this band is known for their litigation, the two decided instead to do a Misfits reunion, mm-hmm. which brings us finally to our last stop: the return of the original Misfits. The only question is how you check out. Do you want it on your feet? Or on your fucking knees? Begging. I ain't much for begging. Nobody ever gave me nothing. So I say, fuck that thing. Let's fight it. First time in 33 years, Glenn Danzig, Jerry Only, Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein appeared on stage together playing original Misfits songs at Riot Fest in Chicago and Denver in September of 2016. Woo! Uh, I think that Jesse almost went to that. I think he did go to the one in Chicago. I think that he did, but I think he didn't watch that. I think he watched Outcast instead. Yeah, I, I honestly think I had this conversation with him, and he's like, no, I wanted to see Outcast. I'm like, but it's the fucking Misfits. He's like, I don't fucking care. Yeah, like he. That's that's exactly that's exactly what we do. So fuck, fucking the misfits fucking suck. Oh, like you do that, you're like, you. it's not less than Jake. Yeah. It's not D four. I don't care. Yeah, it's no more black. No, fuck it. Um, like the other day, I was telling him, like, I think that he would legitimately like the Lawrence Arms, and he's like, no. Yeah, he would. like no. I think that you would love the new record. He's like, no, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> like. You're a fucking asshole, man. Like, like, so you think I'm closed minded? He is the worst. I'll send him stuff, and he goes, nah. <laughs> Like this sounds fucking exactly like what you listen to. You like Tiger's Tiger's Jaw? This sounds like ti- this is just Tiger's Jaw with a different name. He's like, <laughs> fucking asshole. All right, so uh, the original trio was backed by former and best Slayer drummer Dave Lombardo and Murder Dolls dope guitarist AC Slade. Uh, I don't know why he was chosen. Probably because he had already had a skeleton shirt, or he probably played on Doyle's records. Um, you know, he's probably somewhere in there at some point in time because he definitely fits the 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 shock rock. If you listen to Dope, they're definitely like, they would have toured with Power Man 5000. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and it didn't stop there. In December of 2017, the group reunited for a series of arena shows in Las Vegas and California, and then in 2019 in Chicago and New York, at Madison Square Garden, no less, no less among many other massive venues. So apparently the legal side of whatever this agreement was called for no less than 10 reunion shows to coincide with the Misfits' 40th anniversary. Now, so people should understand this original lineup isn't necessarily a permanent thing. The idea of recording a new original Misfits album has been broached as well with them, but as of now, it's up in the air. Danzig is going to be a difficult one to pin down for any of this stuff, and as Jerry only said in 2016 Rolling Stone interview, he's hopeful but not expectant. And I quote, I don't know about Glenn, but I canceled our, our touring and everything for these reunions, so we're going to go home and write and lift. Which makes sense for him. You know, that's, I guess, the whole thing. Yeah, the Misfits are uh, very jacked. I mean, yeah. we've, been ca- we've been talking about them like they're New Jersey Guidos. Most Guidos are jacked because they, you know, lift paint cans in their mother's backyard. But Yeah, these guys would bend us in two. Oh, yeah, they'd kill us. Yeah, uh, but they're fucking nerds! <laughs> so, <Look> uh, <laughs> fuck you, nerds! 
So, uh, as for Danzig, uh, he seemed pleased with the way the reunions were going. In an interview with Blabbermouth from April 2020, he said, and this is always really interesting uh, to think about Danzig being happy about anything. Yeah. Um, but here's the quote. Shit, we sold out Madison Square Garden. As a matter of fact, we oversold it. Uh, back in the day, all the big wig promoters and record label people were like, a punk band will never headline Madison Square Garden. And, of course... We're the first punk band to headline there. And not only did we sell it out, we oversold it. So a big fuck you to all those assholes who are probably selling hot dogs on 6th Avenue. And you know what? That's probably the least dicky thing he said. And I (laughs) love that that's like, that's a quote that came out. So like, that feels good. I'm okay with that sentiment. He's probably, Um, he's probably mellowed in his old age and selling out Madison Square Garden probably made them uh, quite wealthy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean that is a huge amount of money. Yes. Um that is that is the place to, to sell out. So now as we're kind of leaving things here, as of October twenty twenty, uh there might be a few more shows after COVID is neutralized. Uh maybe not. Uh there might be a new album with Danzig. There might not. There probably won't be, but no one ever thought the Misfits would officially reunite either, so all bets are off. Uh and that's kind of the story of the Misfits. Like nobody really knows what's gonna happen next. Um uh, it's probably gonna be terrible, whatever it is. <laughs> but nobody knows what's going to happen next. But now, before we clu- conclude things, let's do a little bit of a wrap up so that you can kind of tie this all up in a nice, neat little package. Yeah, I. As far as a new album with Danzig, I'm not interested in that. I'm just no. Not. I, we don't need it. No, I, I think that would be a, the the wrong way to go. But they could. I mean, I think they could tour officially. But so anyway, throughout these three episodes, <clears throat> this is less of a wrap up and more of a. <laughs> Maybe an apology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've talked a lot of shit, and we made fun of the Misfits, even though they're probably one of the greatest punk rock bands that will ever do it, and I do genuinely love them. But we're still punching up because we're nobody, and we have like 70 listeners, and we love every one of you, especially our patrons who we love the most. Please don't cut us off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I-, I think making fun of rock star dick behavior is completely fine and warranted and these guys definitely deserve most of the barbs that come their way but yeah the massive interest in the misfits reunions that has been generated over the last four years should not be taken lightly or considered just nostalgia i'm sure that's part of it but i don't think that's entirely it there's a there's a reason why people have been clamoring to see danzig jerry only and doyle on stage for over 30 years and almost 40 years it's it's why the members still make tons of money and live off this band it's because it's the fucking misfits right i mean there's very few bands you could be like it's fucking the ramones it's it's black flag it's the chromags it's like the these guys have been a part of the the punk rock landscape since there was punk rock they changed it they they created something that did not exist yeah, and they open the door for a lot of other people to innovate, even if it wasn't horror punk. It might be, you know, bringing metal in or, or things. I mean, just the amount of of doors that just the Misfits being the Misfits open for people, uh, probably incalculable. Right. Absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, I to be fair, like, like, they kicked off my musical career. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I still absolutely love the Misfits, whether it's Danzig or Graves, and I've even come around to some of the Jerry Only stuff. I have. They were a 100% formative band for me, and I'll never get sick of them. Um, so even though we've called them Guidos, idiots, jerk-offs, prima donnas, <laughs> and even fuck faces, 
Um, <laughs> there's a good chance I wouldn't have stuck in the with punk rock without them. They were on the first mixtape I ever got. Um, it means if I hadn't stuck with punk rock, I wouldn't play music. I probably wouldn't have skateboarded. I might not even have the friends that I do today without them. And I certainly would have been doing this podcast if I hadn't been so taken with punk rock. Yeah. So absolutely. To Glenn, Jerry, Doyle, Graves, Chud, Robo, Des, Marky, Frenchie, <laughs> Erie, London, John Christ, Bobby Steele, Joey, Manny Martinez, Mr. Jim, Chupacabra, AC, Dave, and yes, even you, Arthur Googie. We wish you a happy Halloween, and we would like to extend a well-deserved thank you in your direction for all the music, all the stories, and yes, all the skulls. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Woo! So, uh, patrons? Patrons! All right, so with this uh, gushing of love that we've got going on, Michael Osborne, Sam Parnum, Laura Crosby, Kate Neal, Amelia Andrews, Matthew Fisher, Jessica Crane, Mario Cipriano, thank you seriously. Uh, this podcast uh, could not... We couldn't keep the lights on without you, and so we do appreciate we do appreciate you uh, and all that you do in your support of this uh, weird middle aged endeavor that we've gone on. Thank you. We appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I don't think that we have uh, don't think that we have anything else, right? Nope. Um, this is a Halloween episode, but it's coming out after Halloween because Halloween, as I said last week, went into overtime. But who who cares? The the, the leaves are dying and it's getting colder. Not in Florida. Yeah. But, uh, it's so it's it's uh, it's Halloween till uh, till fucking Christmas. Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. So Thanksgiving is three days, and then it's back to Halloween for a little bit. Go go. So <laughs> go go go. Um. So if you want to find us on Instagram. You can find us on uh, at Instagram at I don't want to hear podcast. You can find us on Twitter at IDWHI podcast. You can find us on Facebook at I don't want to hear podcast with the apostrophe. You can email us at oldpunksvsthe_world at gmail.com. And you can still purchase our books over at wndpress.com. Um, you can check out uh, Wasteland and Anxiety Report. Both are up and available. And I have copies sitting right next to me. And I touch every book. So, um, you know, ask for one. With his butt. In butt town. Um, we should just do an episode on the history of butt town, like how that came to be. If you want to email us at WND press, feel free to reach out there, uh, at WND press at gmail.com. Uh, also, if you're interested in being a Patreon, uh, we still have zines available. We have bookmarks available. We have stickers. We have stuff to send you. Um, if you would like to be a Patreon, please feel free to join our Patreon. Uh, every little bit helps. Uh, it's going to go back into merch and creating stuff for you all. Um, so we have some really fun stuff like Mrs. Vicious t-shirts and, uh, Jerry lonely, uh, stickers and, things like that so maybe a jerry lonely hat yeah. <laughs> uh yeah to keep the rain off your head when you got that dark cloud following you around because you're oh so jerry lonely yeah keep your balding <laughs> keep your balding devil lock free from the devil's rain yeah. <laughs> Woo! okay so <laughs> head over to our website i don't want to hear a podcast.com click the link it came from the beach if you want to check out any of our old bands there's pictures there's videos there's all kinds of shit on there check the uh, show notes uh the episode notes um for links to some of our better bands that are now on spotify for any of the videos or things that we talked about on this episode i usually end up linking most of the stuff we talk about i have two playlists that go with this deep dive the first one 
It was all Danzig Misfits. It's on Spotify. It's called Teen Wolf and the Gabagool Kid. I will link that. <laughs> and then I did one that was just all Graves Misfits that I called uh, Dr. Chud and Mr. Graves. Uh, so <laughs> those two will be available. Or, or just check out the Misfits on Spotify if you don't feel like listening to a catered playlist. It doesn't really fucking matter. We just want you guys to listen to them because we, we had a lot of fun. And you should you should listen to the Misfits. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, with all that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we wish you a belated happy Halloween. We will now take our leave of you, dear listener, and we can think of no other way to conclude this lengthy deep dive into the Misfits than with the second greatest Danzig-related video on the internet. (laughs) We, of course, will link it, but feel free to join us now as we bask in the glory of one of the greatest musical mashups ever created. Go, 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 go! You can dance like this. You can dance like one speaks Spanish. Burrito, Doritos, Fiesta, and Pasta. Oh, baby, when you talk like that, No fighting.